Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I'm the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of this fine program, the listener hotline is 303-832-0217. And all my contact links are in the description of this show. You know, it's been a bit of a struggle to get a railroad engineer to come on the program and talk about what it's like to work for the railroads. And I have something that I think is pretty close to my dream of having a railroad person on the show. And, and it's pretty interesting. You know uh, about the railroad contract negotiations, right, that are continuing with the union and the and the workers and uh, the sick time leave and the paid time off and that Congress has stepped in to pass legislation that prevents the workers from striking because the railroads are, are so vital to the economy and to our day-to-day lives. Well, our reporter who used to be here on the morning show and who still fills in for me on the traffic desk occasionally, Colette Bordelon, well, she was able to track somebody down and talk to him about what it's like to be a railroad worker and get his thoughts about the work and the hours and the contract negotiations between the union and the workers and now that Congress has stepped in and, and, and also the loss of a fellow co-worker and friend uh, earlier this year. Now, his name is Brad Baker, and he works with Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railway. Brad was born in Ohio, moved to Colorado when he was high school, and then he moved to Nebraska after graduation, and that's where he started railroading, as he calls it. And that's where we pick up this discussion, this interview with Colette and Brad outside a rail yard. So you started railroading in Nebraska? Yes. What got you into it? Paying the bills. I'm a high school graduate. I was living in a small town in Nebraska. It was best paying job in Nebraska. What does like a normal day for you look? Is there a normal day? No, there is no normal day. Um, For most railroaders, you're on call. So here where I work, it's a two hour call. At any time after I'm rested, I can get a call and I have to be show up here at work within two hours. And then I can be gone for 12 hours or I can be gone for three days. And you just got off kind of a crazy shift. Yes. What was that? Um, I was on duty for 16 hours and 55 minutes. And you're meeting with us right now. Yes. Not having slept. I got an hour. You got an hour sleep? Got an hour. Good. I'm happy. <laughs> How do you feel though right now? Like after a 17 hour shift, what's that like? Um, tired, but also used to it. Yeah. Um, I've done this for 20 years. This is a norm. Uh, if you want to have time with your family, you have to deal with this. You have to deal with no sleep because you just work all these crazy hours. Do you get like an extended two-day period, three-day period off after a shift like that or um, no? So the only time you can get extra time off is if you fall within the the law, RISA law. And RISA law would mean that I'd have to do six starts in a row and I'd get 48 hours off. And then if I did seven starts in a row, I'd get 72. And RISA? Is that what you said? Yeah, RISA. It's a Rail Safety Improvement Act. Okay. It was signed in uh, 2007. Eight. Eight. 
feel like the general public doesn't know a lot about like what you guys do. What do you do? What is your well, job? What is a typical task that you do? Um, our main task is moving the freight of America. Uh, everything that you see on the shelves at one point probably came on a train. You guys move all the freight across the country. Yeah, we do. Our job is basically do the long distance hauling. And you work for BNSF? I do. And how long have you been with BNSF? Uh, since 2006, so 18 years. Very cool. What's been going on in your own words on the federal level regarding your occupation? Um, President Biden signed an order requiring us to take an agreement that we voted down. Uh, two of the three largest rail unions said no, it wasn't good enough. Um, but yet they forced it on us. They forced, us, forced it on us because they don't want us to shut down the economy. We're not happy that they forced on us. We understand that the impact we'd have to the economy if we went on strike, but we also want people to understand that this job does is dangerous. It doesn't allow us a lot of time off. And with their attendance policies that they've put in place, it's made it harder and harder for us to have a fulfilling life outside of work. Can you explain what those it attendance policies are? Um, so every railroad has their own different one, but they're all basically the same. It's a point type system. So a day you take off, you lose so many points and then you have to work so many days to get points back. Um, it's obviously, it's not a one for one. So if I take a day off, I work a day. It doesn't work that way. It's you work more days on to get less points for a day you take off in most cases. That is wild to me. Yeah. Um, Why did they have to do that? Is it because there's so few people working in the industry or is there a reason behind it? Yeah, it, the main reason for these these harsh attendance policies and what I believe most railroaders believe is their inability to staff. Uh, most people don't want to work this job. If I told you that you would not be home for weekends, you wouldn't, if you want to plan on being there for Christmas, you're not going to be there. Uh, we're going to call you and you're not going to know how long you're going to be gone for a week at a time. You're going to tell me no. You're just going to say no. And at the time when a lot of us hired on, myself included, this job paid well enough that the pay outweighed what I gave up. The pay doesn't outweigh it now. And we don't want the pay to outweigh it. We want quality of life. We want to have some time off. Uh, for myself, I, I missed my youngest daughter's birth. I was on a train. I had to work. Uh, I know many of people out here that uh, spouses, kids, you know, mothers, fathers got in a car wreck and they'll be on a train right after that. Uh, I know people who have had family members pass away and they'll be on the train when they pass and they'll continue to work. That's, no one should have to do that. No. I mean, there's that expression, what, like, 
work to live, not live to work. Right, right. You know, there's a lot of other things too. Like, I mean, on average, we probably work about 200 hours a month. Um, but that's just hours we count of actually working, being on the train. So that doesn't count the 100, 150 hours at a hotel that they that we're supposed to be sleeping, getting our rest, relaxing. Yeah, it's not my house. I'm not with my family. I'm not really relaxing. I'm doing what I have to to eat, sleep, and get back home. Obviously, one of the big points within this tentative agreement to avoid the strike right now was that seven days of paid sick leave that the Senate voted down. Yes. Can you explain to me, like, do you guys already have a certain amount of days of paid sick leave that you get? Or what happens when you get sick? We don't have sick days. Paid sick days. None? None. No, we do not have paid sick days. Uh, that's where their attendance policies fall in. So you're supposed to save your points for if you get sick. And most, most railroaders don't even really want the paid part of the sick days. We just want the sick days. Um, allow us to be able to take time off, to be with our family, to, if we are sick, take care of ourselves, go to de doctor's appointments, be healthy, and, and not charge us for it. Not where we have to weigh out, oh, I'm sick, but I got my kid's baseball game next week, so I guess I'm going to work sick. Obviously an issue, pre-pandemic, but during the pandemic, was there any kind of like relief the, given? Or? No, no. Actually, during the pandemic is when these policies came out. Most of these po policies were instituted during the pandemic. To keep you guys at work. To keep us at work, yes. I know obviously your job is incredibly essential to keeping our country moving. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. But with all of everything that's stacked against you, why do you keep doing it? Um, for me, like I said, I'm a, I'm a high school graduate. I don't have a degree. Done it for over 20 years now. Um, the benefits are good. I have great benefits. I do make a decent wage. And I don't know how to do anything else. I literally don't know how to do anything else. I started doing this when I was 19. I can do this or I shovel grain at a grain elevator. Those are my two working career goals that I've had, I guess. Or, yeah, and there's railroad retirement too. Yeah. I do wonder though, there's obviously like, you know, you're talking about you started doing this 20 years ago. I'm sure there's a lot of people in your same situation, right? They started doing this, this is their life. This is what they'll keep doing. But what about this next generation that's a little bit harder to maybe sell on a job like this when they could go into tech or they could go into something else? Is there a fear that we could have less people doing this job? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Um, the number of people they get applying for it is drastically down. Um, that, that was evident uh, during the STB hearing where all the railroads even talked about, they need more people, they need more people. Well, if you need more people, there's a reason why people aren't working here. What's the reason? Well, they don't want this kind of life. What has it been like 
wait to watch this huge national discussion about your job and your life. I mean, I'm, mm. it's a pretty personal thing to watch on the, the Senate floor. I think for me personally, it was disheartening. Um, it's disheartening to hear, hear a representative say that we're just greedy because we want time off. Uh, another, another one saying that we we're just wasting time here, that we just need to move on. That was disheartening. And then also just most people don't want to take the time to know what we do. Uh, most people in America don't realize how important the trains are and the guys working on them. And then it came down to this where we're a week out and now everybody wants to talk about it. What happened to the three years that we've worked without a contract to get to this point? No one cared then. So it's kind of disheartening. Do you feel like you guys have been forgotten? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's gotta be a, a lot to carry on top of everything else. Yeah, it's, you know, it, most people think about the railroads and disdain when you're sitting at a crossing, right? Or you're, you're standing out there playing soccer, or golf, and someone honks a horn. They don't think about, hey, I wonder how long that guy's been on duty here. Wonder what his life's like. Most guys, most people don't think about that. I want to ask you about February. Okay. You said your friend's name was Jeff Jones. Yes. Did you guys both work at BNSF together? Yes. How long did you work with Jeff? Um, Jeff actually started before me, so he was here before me. I think he had two years more seniority than I did, so quite a while. Um, like, you know, in our careers, we always get real close because we spend so much time with each other. I can't imagine spending so much time with my coworkers that you guys spend. Yeah. What was you and Jeff's relationship like? Um... We were co-workers, but we were also friends. We worked a lot of jobs together. So he was a good guy. He's missed a lot. Can you tell me what happened in February? Mm, I prefer not to. He passed away? Yeah, he did. On the job? He did. He was killed while working on the job here in Denver. I don't know how things like that are spread throughout employees at a, at a place of work. But when you found that out, can you remember just emotionally what ran through you? Um, dread. Dread. Um, one, for, you know, I lost a friend. But two is for my other co-workers that were there who saw what happened. The stuff they carry for the rest of their life. It's a dangerous job. Yes, very dangerous job. Can you explain why it is so dangerous? Can I have a minute? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, 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 you're good. You're good. I. No, but I know it's... It's one of those deals that just kind of chokes me up. Well, of course. Most things don't, but... I mean... Some things do. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's human. Right, right. So, I'm sorry. Okay, you're what was fine. your question again? Why is it such a dangerous job? Like, what... Because I think, you know, your average person pictures... You're sitting in the like yeah cabin or you know they don't i don't think people fully understand like you're saying what you guys do yeah so, so i mean dangerous? the danger is 
you're talk about switching buddy. you're switching yeah so so in switching you're building these trains and you're moving these cars the rail cars and the rail cars are you know 10 to 30 tons uh, empty not not talking about how loaded they are and and they're quiet they're so quiet you can't hear them and we switch at night we switch during snowstorms rainstorms 100 degree heat it doesn't matter we're, we're out there working and you get locked into the zone and then you forget what's going on over here or um, something mechanical goes wrong and now you're riding a car and it's no longer connected so it just when you're dealing with with the rail industry or the railroad cars and the engines stuff can go bad real fast they're so big that stuff can go bad real fast it's the best way i can put it i don't know how else about it no that makes sense um when jeff passed did you i mean i feel like you got a feel for the moments that he maybe missed doing this job yeah yeah um you know this is a job too where you get better the longer you do it you you learn tricks you you learn the ways if you would of how cars roll how things are done the the ease of doing some of the job so you take a guy like like him who had quite a years in that's a lot of knowledge that just left because that knowledge isn't like written down it's not written down it's it's passed on one railroad to another kind of like a tradition yeah in a sense yeah yeah you you know you you hear it along the railroads and or at least here and i'm sure every railroad's like it you hear about some guy who might have worked out here 30 years ago they still talk about him and say this is the way he did it this is the best way to do it do you feel like there was enough attention given to and i'm going to use jeff's name in this question but do you feel like there was enough attention given to what happened to jeff or uh, to what happens uh, to uh, other rail workers um i i don't believe that enough attention gets paid to railroaders when there is an incident um there's numerous railroad incidents every year and they hardly ever get talked about it's not something that's that's talked about or known and and then on top of that is not only the railroad incidents but we don't talk about enough of the railroad incidents with the public you know that's a big thing too about about this contract with having quality of life if i'm tired going to work that not only puts my life in danger but it puts a public in danger um you know i could miss a signal i could miss a crossing like i could run too fast i mean this is all stuff that needs to be talked about but it's not where do we go from here obviously avoiding this strike for now but i mean Clearly, people don't feel this agreement. Is it all sufficient? Yeah. Um, where do we go from here? Well, I think 
the biggest thing is whether it's the nation's railroads do it or the government steps in, but there has to be some sort of accountability onto these railroaders on how they treat their employees. Um, my personal opinion is, you know, we need to have the back of the, the U.S. government needs to have the back of the unions here. There's a reason why we all voted no. We, we voted no because we don't have that quality of life. So until we get scheduled jobs and time off, not being punished for being sick, um, I don't see this job being a, a job where new people want to come in. Uh, I could see it where a lot of people that just hired on don't have a lot of time in, won't last 30 years, you know. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm over the 20-year hump. So my retirement, once I hit 30, I'm golden. 30 years in, I got 10 more to go. Let's stick it out. But if I was just starting, I, I wouldn't do this if I just started. Tell you right now, I would not, I would not work here or work for the rail industry today if I was just starting. Because after 30 years, you get retirement. Correct. After 30 years, I get retirement. Yeah. Can you just explain that a little bit for me? Um. So our retirement is different. So we we don't get Social Security. We get railroad retirement. Okay. Um. It pays out. A little more than Social Security, although we pay in substantially more than Social Security would take out. But the other benefits are my wife; she gets part of my retirement. So it's it's that golden ticket. You know, that, give me that carrot at the end of the rainbow or whatever. Yeah, that's that's what I'm striving for here. That future. Where you don't have to work, where you get to be there for birthdays yeah. and yes. holidays. Yeah. And be with your four kids. Right. Is there anything that you feel like I have not given you a chance to say? I know I've kept you doing this for a long time. I no. apologize. Um, there's so much stuff about this industry. It's, you know, most of the people that work here want to do a good job, too. And it's just, it's hard to do a good job when you keep getting beat down. It's just crazy. I'm just a railroader. That's all I am. That's important. Yeah. We all benefit from that. Yeah, I mean, you look at these trains and, you know, for the public side of it is, you know, there's, we're, the trains are getting longer and longer and, it's just not safe. Well, it, the longer the trains get, the more chances of stuff happening. Uh, everybody knows that. It's the same theory of when you're got your pickup truck and you got a fifth wheel behind it, and then you got a thirty-foot boat, and then behind that you got a jet ski. At some point, you're too long. It's just not safe for everybody else around you. That's we're getting to that point now with the rail, with the size of these trains and that needs to be addressed and that needs to be addressed through through loss another thing is the rail industry is hell-bent oh sorry you, you can say that <laughs> okay you can um, say that 
so the the rail industry is hell-bent on uh getting rid of uh, the conductor craft they would love to see one man on these locomotives running it and it's it's crazy to think Mo most most americans don't know how many guys are on it most americans think that every every locomotive has a has a engineer and a conductor on it and it's not that there's two people up there and they want to take it down to one person now that's not safe for the railroaders and it's definitely not safe for the public it sounds like it is long overdue for a sweeping overhaul of how this industry functions yes very much so the the act the railroad labor act that oversees how rail industry is is done through negotiations and arbitration and whatnot that that was signed way back in like the 30s like the 1830s <laughs> 1930s yeah it was but the 1930s like the yeah but I mean, it's, it's so it's so outdated it needs to be revised it needs to be looked at uh, congress should take that up and look at it and say is this really working the way it should work i think we're all good okay cool i really wish i could have done that interview because i think there were some good moments left on the table there uh one time brad said he took the job with the railroad because he didn't think he had many other options and he had few skills and, and, and to get such good pay. There, there are a lot of young people like that in rural America. A lot of them will join the military because they feel that same way. It, you know, it, both of those careers are a good way to make money when you're young. You're usually not married. You don't have many skills. Maybe just a, a high school graduation degree. Uh, but the schedule, really for both of them, can be brutal. Um, not knowing where you might be from day to day or hour to hour, you really can't plan your life. You miss out on major life and family milestones, but it's a trade-off. Everything in life is a trade-off, right? I mean, you're trading probably higher than average pay, good benefits, a, a great retirement plan for a stable schedule. And I, I have a feeling that the pay and the benefits and the retirement after 30 years is really what attracted Brad to the job and has kept him on the job. It was interesting what he said also, though, looking back, that he would not take the job now with all of his current experience. And I also found it interesting as I was looking some uh, looking up some of the statistics of railroad workers, and according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the Occupational Outlook Handbook for Railroad Workers, the median pay is $64,150 $30, $31 an hour. Now, median, different than average, median is the wage at which half of the workers in the occupation earned more than that amount and half earned less. So it's right there in the middle, $64,000. Now, the typical entry-level education is just a high school diploma or equivalent. And the number of jobs in 2021 uh, of people working for the railroad uh, was 76,500 with a job outlook over the next 10 years of growing by 4%. Again, this is from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. And I was reading an account on Quora from a railroad worker. His name is James Ogden. He posted this, and he's a conductor engineer who describes what it's like. And he starts off answering the question, why are you uh, working for the railroad? And he says, that's a big question. It paid the bills. 
and offered a good retirement package and ex- excellent health care benefits. I enjoyed the job because the scenery changed outside the window and no two days were exactly alike. Even the most mundane trips taught me something new and there was always a new challenge. Not all days were good days, though. There are a lot of sacrifices that the railroad and the transportation industry as a whole require. One of them is the hours. Working the road meant I was often away from home. A typical round trip was in excess of 40 hours. I would travel one direction, spend some time in a hotel, and then work my way home. On top of that, most of the road jobs are on call. I was expected to answer my phone regardless of the time, day, or season, and report to work an hour and a half later. Want to make plans for the night? That seemed like the best way to get a call into work. I was away from home on days most others would never think about working. Christmas, Thanksgiving, the 4th of July. Guys with kids often missed baseball games and school plays that their kids were involved in. Those are definite downsides. Class 1 railroads are the biggest in the country and employ thousands of people. In my case, I was one of over 40,000. Calls to work came from 1,000 miles away. Our dispatchers were 1,500 miles away. And even some of the local managers had no idea who I was even two years later. I liked the job, but I did not like how impersonal the large corporation was. I was offered a job on a much smaller railroad, Class 2, which employs around 500 people. By comparison, it's like working for a small family business. While there are still some jobs on call, most are scheduled. We know exactly when we're going to work, We when, when we'll be home. Most of our trips are daytime trips. There are a few overnight runs, but more happens during the day. Even if it's a long day, I can be home for a late dinner and even catch a movie. On major holidays like Christmas, the railroad just about shuts down. Last Christmas, we got the yard cleaned up on Christmas Eve, and they sent everyone home. No one worked that night, and the first people who had to work Christmas did not have to come in until about 5 p.m. The people who left town on a road job the day before were flown home by the company so they could be with their families for Christmas. We never got that kind of treatment in the Class 1 world. Being a smaller company, we all know each other. The management knows who the laborers are and vice versa. Some people say that it's undesirable when the management knows a mistreated employee will be visiting their office. There is some motivation to make the workplace more friendly. I have been on a Class 2 for three years now and never looked back. All in all, I think it's a good job. The benefits are great. It pays well enough to support a family, even if it won't make you rich. And if you find a good one, they'll take care of you. There are challenges. The schedule is the biggest one for most people. Working in the rain or the snow can be annoying at times. But if you like being outdoors, a few rainy days are a small sacrifice to be out in the sunshine most of the time. That account, again, from conductor engineer James Ogden, who wrote that on Quora, who was describing his life as a railroader. And I always wanted to ride on a freight train, just jump on and go. I wanted to do it so badly that in college, this is way before the internet, of course, I bought a railroad map that showed at the time, This is we're talking the early 90s here, where all the tracks were in the country. You had to buy a map for that because you couldn't look it up online. Uh, I had actually a couple of, Friends of mine from college convinced that they should go with me, and we were going to jump on one of these trains as it was crawling through uh, Statesboro and and just see where we ended up and then take a bus back. We ultimately decided it was just a bit too dangerous to go. I I wouldn't say 
that it was a regret, but maybe a missed opportunity. I still like riding the Amtrak, though, mainly because you're seeing places that you don't see from the highway. It feels like nobody's ever seen it before, and since someone else is driving, you, you can just stare at it all, walk around, take a nap, eat in the dining car. It really is an interesting way to travel. I, I don't do it that often, even though I, I think I would like to uh, travel by train more often. More, more common for the folks in Europe, of course, not as common for us here in the United States. But I hear that route along the northern United States, uh, up through Montana is and Idaho, is just beautiful. And I, I'm sure I, I, I'll make it there one day. Well, anyway, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, go ahead and uh, leave it for me in uh, with any of the contact links in the description of this show. And until next time, thanks again for listening. Thanks for being here. I'm Jason Looper, the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. <laughs>